Good morning, everyone, and welcome to City of Hope Church Sunday Service Online. We're so glad that you could join us this morning. We've uh, started a series in the book of Daniel, and we're in Daniel chapter 4 now. The past three weeks we've went Daniel chapters 1 through 3, and we've discovered that Daniel and his friends are living in a Babylonian society, a society that is anti-God, a king who is anti-God, who is trying to set up a false kingdom. And one of the things that we have discussed is that the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation are actually tied together. And the, Revelation, uh, the book of Revelation discusses the fact that when we are living in the end times, this mystery of Babylon has always been at work. And so it gives us an interpretive key to say, look, when we're living in the last days as Christian people, we can actually go back to look at the book of Daniel to see the spirit that is at work in our world to try to pull us away from the true worship of God and try to pull us into the worship of false gods and to turn our trust from God and to put our trust in man. That's the move that's happening. And there's a lot of different uh, deceptions that go on and are involved in that spirit and in that process. But we find that that's what's happening is Daniel and his friends are in Jerusalem. They're in Israel and they're exiled into Babylon, which means a mixing and a confusion. And there they are renamed and given the names of false gods. They are re-educated to think differently about the world, to try to change their biblical values. But the thing about Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is that they are able to remain faithful throughout all the temptations of Babylon, throughout all of the forces, all of the pressures, even when they are threatened to be cast into a fiery furnace, they say, listen, we're not going to bow down, Nebuchadnezzar, to, to you nor the false gods that you worship nor the image that you set up. Whether our God delivers us or not, we are going to remain true and faithful to our God because we know our God and we know that ultimately He is in control and He alone is the one true God and the one God that needs to be worshipped. So the title of my message here in Daniel chapter 4 this morning is Living for the King of Kings. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was trying to get everybody to live for him as king. And he had, at that time in history, in Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq, he had a an immense territory. He was the world superpower, and the largest city uh, was Babylon where he was at. He was ruling and reigning a massive slab of real estate. He was at the height of his peak, the height of his reign. He's living in luxury and in power and in comfort, and essentially he's the Adolf Hitler of the ancient world, and he wants to be worshipped as God, and if you don't worship him like we said, like we learned last week, he will throw you into a fiery furnace. Now you see the spirit of Babylon at work causing over 300,000 or more people to bow down and give their allegiance to this king and to his false gods. But you see four men, Daniel and his friends, that refuse to bow the knee. Why? Because there's something that is working contrary to the spirit of Babylon right now and that is the spirit of God. And we have a king that we worship and he is not of this world. His name is King Jesus. And ultimately we believe that even though there are powers and there are nations and there are kings in this world that are leading. Ultimately, Jesus is king of all kings. And we believe and declare as Christian people that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every king who has ever lived on the face of this earth will be raised again from the dead to declare that Jesus Christ is the true king of kings and lord of lords. And if we're going to live for our king in a Babylonian system, in a world that is turning further and further away from God, see, Jesus understands that it's going to be difficult and that is why Jesus our King sent the Holy Spirit. When you read throughout the Bible there's a couple of mega themes right here in the book of Daniel 
And one of the themes that you're going to find is that over and over again, Nebuchadnezzar acknowledges the fact that, that, that Daniel is filled with the Spirit. He says sometimes the Spirit of the gods, which ultimately we understand and know that that is the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit. And Jesus, our King, has given us a gift so that we can be empowered to overcome this Babylonian system and not be influenced by the spirit of the age, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit. Now in Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to learn that he ends up going crazy. He ends up losing his mind in, in a legitimate way, and there's a reason to it. It's because pride entered into his life and had been throughout his life, and finally God is demonstrating to him that you think you're the real king, but ultimately there's a king that you're going to have to bow your knee to. And so we're going to unpack that. And in Daniel chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 in the beginning, it says, Nebuchadnezzar the king to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. So Nebuchadnezzar is actually taking a moment here to write to the people. He is giving a testimony or a biography, if you will. And so he's writing to all the people, nations, languages that dwell in the earth. He says, Peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. How great are His signs and how mighty His wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and His dominion is from generation to generation. And so like we said, there's multiple themes and one of the themes is the difference between what the kingdom is because there is a difference between man's kingdom which is passing and it's, which is very temporary. Even if you do a historical study, you find that every nation rises and falls. And even our nation, America, it looks like, man, maybe this nation is crumbling. People are moving away from the Constitution. People are moving away from the idea of what they believe America to be. And ultimately, we understand and know that, guess what? Even America will come to an end because it was a nation that ultimately was built by man. And the only kingdom that is going to be everlasting is God's kingdom. But see, there's another theme, and that is that, see, God is the most high God, and He is the supreme ruler, and under Him there are these lesser rulers, whether they be angels or principalities or powers, or they be human kings. But we understand that there are literally angels and demons, principalities and powers that are at work in the unseen realm to try to influence human kings to, to, to sway under the spirit of this world and move them in the direction that they would have them to go. But throughout that, number one, what you need to understand is that when we are living in, world, in a world whose kingdoms are literally moving away from God and trying to pressure us to go in an opposite direction other than the worship of the one true God, we've got to have the Holy Spirit. And number one, in the Babylonian society, the Holy Spirit makes us faithful witnesses. Over and over again throughout the book of Revelation, the question is whether or not people are going to remain true and faithful witnesses. The word martyr actually means a faithful witness. And, and when people were dying because of becoming faithful witnesses, that's when the word martyr got switched over to mean that, well, you die for the cause of Christ or, or, or you're put to death for the cause of Christ. But martyr, martyr in the Greek language simply means faithful witness. And the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers you to be a faithful witness when everything else in the world is telling you to shut up or you're going to lose your life or you're going to be looked down upon or you're going to be rejected. No, the Holy Spirit empowers us 
to have a testimony. Now, there's a difference between a biography and a testimony because what you'll find is that Nebuchadnezzar, he gives a biography. He says over and over again, here in just a moment, what we're going to read is he talks about himself. He gives himself the glory. He talks about himself over and over again. And you have to look at your life at some point and say, when I talk about myself, how, what, what am I doing? Am I ultimately giving glory to God and saying, this is what God has done through me, this is what God has done for me, so that my life actually bears witness to and points to Jesus Christ and God and His kingdom rather than how awesome I am. But see, we live in a world today where everybody is trying to glorify themselves. They're like, check out my Instagram, uh, study what I've been up to so you can learn how to do things the way that I do them because I'm so amazing. And people draw attention to themselves and rather than being a faithful witness and giving a testimony, they give their own biography because they are self-focused and they are not God-focused. Nebuchadnezzar was a prideful man who was self-focused while Daniel was always a God-focused man and everything that he did he ultimately pointed to God. See the scripture says in Revelation that the way that we end up overcoming this world and the way that we end up overcome Satan and the spirit of Babylon is because we overcome by the blood of the Lamb by the word of our testimony and because we did not love our lives unto the death. That means that we're going to be challenged. That maybe one day, ultimately, we may have to lay down our lives for Christ's sake. But right now, while we are living, we live as witnesses who testify to the fact that every good thing that comes from us is because of God, it's for God, and it's through the power of God. And that is our testimony. We ain't writing biographies here as Christian people. We're writing testimonies to the faithfulness of the one true God. And ultimately, that is what God is leading us into, a place where we give we give God all the credit. And the question is, are you sharing a testimony with anybody right now? Because people need to hear about how God saved you, about how Jesus changed your life, about what He's doing in your life now. You have to have a te testimony. That is how we overcome and that is how we reach people. It's not about your biography. It's not about what you've done. It's about what God is doing in you and through you. But here is what Nebuchadnezzar says in verse 4. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts on my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore I issued a decree to bring all the wise men of Babylon before me that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. It's funny that they call these dudes wise men because over and over again they fail to bring any kind of wisdom to the situation. Uh, it's kind of like college professors in our day. We, we think they've got a lot of knowledge, but when push comes to shove at the end of the day, a lot of people who have the most knowledge have zero answers, and that's the same situation for them. And then it says, Then the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers came in, and I told them the dream, but they did not make known to me its interpretation. But at last, Daniel came before me. His name is Belshazzar according to the name of my God. This is Nebuchadnezzar talking. And in him, notice what he says, in him is the spirit of the holy God. He knew and realized that Daniel was different, that the spirit of Babylon had not overtaken his life because he lived undefiled. He lived pure and he was unwilling to bow the knee to false gods and he knew over and over again God had supernaturally used Daniel in a way where he said, listen, this guy's different. The spirit of the holy God lives in him. And he said, I told him the dream saying, Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you and no secret troubles you explain to me the visions of my dream that I've seen in its interpretation and these were the visions of my head while I was on my bed I was looking and behold a tree in the midst of the earth 
and its height was great. So he has a dream of a vision of this massive tree. And he says, This tree grew strong and it became great and its height reached into the heavens and it could be seen to all the ends of the earth. Its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant, and, it was, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, the birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head while on my bed, and there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. Now this watcher, this holy one, essentially what's happening is, is he is seeing his kingdom represented as a tree that is stretching out because his kingdom was advancing. He was taking over. He was, he, he was conquering. He was claiming land. And ultimately he was spreading out. And he is seeing his kingdom represented as this tree. But he says, I saw a watcher, a holy one. This is an angel. This is a divine, supernatural being. And he says, I saw that, a holy one coming down from heaven. And he cried aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and cut off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts get out from under it and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and roots in the earth, bound with a bond of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beasts on the grass of the earth." Let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart of a beast and let seven times pass over him. This deci decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. Give it to whomever he will and sets it over, gives it to whomever he will and sets over it the lowest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belshazzar, who is Daniel, Declare its interpretation, since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the Spirit of the Holy God is in you. Now we have got a king, see, Nebuchadnezzar, who believes that his, his kingdom is going to advance. He has set up this statue of himself that is gold in order to say, look, my kingdom's never going to be torn down. Look at my power. Look at who I am. He's setting, it says that he's outside in his house, flourishing in his palace. And see, the thing about it is, is that no matter how powerful you think you are, God comes in a moment of time and gives him a dream and ultimately he is troubled by simply God giving him a dream. And over and over again, God is speaking to him through dreams. And what he is saying is he's, he calls Daniel and notice just three times in this one passage, he realizes and knows that Daniel is filled with the Spirit of God. And just like I said before, we have to understand that if we are going to make it in these last days, if we're going to be able to discern good and evil and make wise choices and not fall into the deception of this world, we must be filled with the Spirit of God. And if we are filled with the Spirit of God, God is going to give us opportunities like Daniel to speak into men's and women's lives that do not know God so that they can see and know that ultimately God is the king overall. And see, this time the king's using a different path because last time he calls him in, he said, boys, if you can't tell me the dream, I'm going to kill all y'all. But see, Daniel had set a new precedent because now King Nebuchadnezzar knew that Daniel had the ability to do this. Now notice what the dream says, though. He has this dream where one of the watchers, the holy ones, an angel in heaven says that God ultimately rules over the kingdoms of the earth and He gives it to whomever He will and He sets it over the lowest of men. Ultimately, whoever is in charge has been placed there by God in order to do what He wills. Now that may sound strange because whenever we're voted, we're in an election year. 
and people are voting and people are fighting for who they think ought to be in office and this and that. But do you know that even when people get in office, here's the way that we think as American people, is that if our dude gets in office, then God wins. But if our dude doesn't get in office, then God loses. Can I tell you that no matter who gets in office, God is still going to win? And a lot of times, God has a history of allowing people. He gives them the leaders that ultimately their hearts desire. And the scary thing is in America is that our hearts are moving further and further away from God and His ways. And ultimately, He may be giving us leaders that is a reflection of our heart rather than the leaders that we actually need. Now, that sounds a little bit crazy. We need to be praying for our nation, but here's what I want you to know is we need to be active politically. We need to be standing up for the truth. We need to be fighting for our nation. We need to be good patriots. We need to fight for, for, for pro-life. We need to be on the side of life. We need to be on the side of biblical principles and morals and we need to vote those directions and we need to pray for our leaders in the nation but I want you to understand this that if we are praying and we are seeking God and we're doing our part ultimately whoever ends up in office God has either allowed it and permitted it or he has ultimately caused it because God sets up leaders and God brings down leaders and no matter what God is going to get His glory and God is going to move all things toward the counsel of His will so that His will is ultimately done in the earth. But see, there's an issue because a lot of times we are, we, we are given, see, we are given what our hearts desire because we are moving away from God. Now, if, if, if it were different, God is calling His people right now not in all the world, all the nations, to repentance, to say, look, there's, a, there's an opportunity here and that's what He ends up doing with with Nebuchadnezzar. But see, in this dream, they see that the message comes from a watcher or a holy one, he says. Now, there's a divine counsel. Because God in the unseen realm, in the physical realm, there are, there are human beings. But in the unseen realm, there are literally angels and demons. And what you find out about in the book of Daniel is that there is spiritual warfare going on. There are spiritual angels and principalities that are over regions of the earth. And ultimately, I believe that the same spirits that have been at work in nations throughout the years, matter of fact, Saddam Hussein, who, who ruled over Iraq for a while, he actually said one time that he was the reincarnation of Nebuchadnezzar. And on medals that he would give to some of, his, uh, some of the people that were in his military, on one side was an image of Nebuchadnezzar, and on the other, other side was an image of Saddam Hussein. In other words, the same spirit that was at work in, in Babylon back in Nebuchadnezzar's time was the same spirit that was at work in Saddam Hussein's time and these spirits work in the leaders of our world to begin to influence people in ways that are away from God to set up false kingdoms with false religions with false motives that move us further and further away from God because Satan has an agenda but guess what there are also angels that are working on our behalf and God is saying I need you to partner with them for my will they serve God in the unseen realm the same way that we serve God in the seen realm and to God those two things merge together and when we come into alignment with God we can overcome all demonic powers and we can participate with those angels that are on God's side and there are more for us than there are that are against us but it's so important that we are not deceived into believing the philosophies of this world and that we believe God's word and we are filled with the spirit of God and we partner with the holy ones we partner with his angels in order to work so God is at work his angels serve him faithfully and therefore we should serve him faithfully as well and work together he brings this message through this messenger Someone from the unseen realm into the seen realm. 
And see, God is calling us, like I said, to partner with Him. Now I want you to understand something, that Nebuchadnezzar has all power. Everybody knows that. He's got the gold, he's got the kingdom, he has the harem, he has all power, and Daniel owns nothing. He has no power, he's single, he's got absolutely nothing except whatever the king Nebuchadnezzar decides to give him. But I want you to understand this, that in these situations, when it comes to real issues of life, guess who has the power now? Daniel has the power because he has the Spirit of God. And no matter how lowly you may seem, it may, it, it, you may get into a situation where you feel like you have nothing, you have no money, you have no power, you have no influence, maybe even your vote doesn't count. But as long as you have the Spirit of God living in you, the, the Bible says that greater is He who is in you than he who is in, the, in this world. And if you have the Spirit of God living in you, you have every single thing that you need. That is where the true power is because I need you to understand that the book of Revelation prophesies what is coming to this world system. The Bible says, Babylon, Babylon the great has fallen. And all of the merchants of the earth begin to weep and wail and mourn because of the destruction that has come upon this world system. And the Bible even says, weep and howl, you rich men for the miseries that are coming upon you because everything that you put your trust in and everything that you put your heart and your soul in and you worshipped in this world that you can touch and feel is now coming to nothing and all of the money and all of the gold is being corrupted. It's so funny to me, people are talking about stock up gold and stuff like that. You know that James says that even the gold's going to be corrupted in the last days. That we got to look something further beyond gold. we got to look to divine gold. A gold that does not pass away or per perish. We are storing up for ourselves treasures in heavenly places and we're holding the things of this world very lightly. And if we have the Spirit of God in this time, in this hour, in this age, we have everything that we have need of. We have wisdom, we have supply, and God will take care of His people the same way that he did Daniel in Babylon. But see, if you get duped and you begin to try to build your own kingdom the same way that Nebuchadnezzar tried to build his own kingdom, you're going to find out that that kingdom is going to get chopped down. The kingdom that we are here to build as Christian people is an eternal kingdom and that is the kingdom of God. And every kingdom that we try to build other than that is going to get chopped down. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar finds out in verse 19. It says, Daniel, whose name, name was Belshazzar, was astonished for a time and his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. Belshazzar answered and said, Lord, My Lord, may the dream concern those who hate you and its interpretation concern your enemies. Now this is very interesting. Number two, I want to tell you that if you're going to live for King Jesus in, in a place like Babylon, then you've got to understand that He gives you a Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit helps us love our enemies. Now that's a difficult thing right now because it, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm looking at things in the world that are going on and I'm thinking, man, there are a lot of people that are anti-God, they're doing crazy stuff, things that I don't agree with, but even in my heart, I need to pray for those people people. They are deceived into doing things that are evil and, and, and against God. But see, the Holy Spirit helps us to love our enemies. Daniel is actually troubled. He's troubled because he knows that the interpretation of this king is against Nebuchadnezzar. It's against Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. And see, if, if you and I got to be honest with you, if I was in this position and I found out, okay, God has given a word, finally he's going to destroy this man Nebuchadnezzar, because this man Nebuchadnezzar, one, he took me away from my family, he gave me a new name, he made me a eunuch so that I could never get married or any living. Look, he had a reason to be mad at Nebuchadnezzar. And most Christian people would be like, hallelujah. There's finally a dream, there's finally an interpretation that says, guess what, Nebuchadnezzar? Nebuchadnezzar, you're going down, son. And he would, most people would be thrilled at Nebuchadnezzar's destruction, but Daniel is troubled. Why? 
because He loves His enemies the same way that Jesus teaches us to love our enemies. Now that's a difficult thing for us to do in these last days. When we see evil, the Bible says that, that love would grow cold. The love of many would grow cold because iniquity abounds. And right now, iniquity and lawlessness are abounding. But you cannot, as a Christian person, allow your love to grow cold just because the world is going crazy. The world's always going to be crazy. And people are going to be lawless, and people are going to be wicked. But they will know that we are still Christians and we're Christ followers because we continue to love when everybody else is living in hate and division. And that is what He empowered. The Holy Spirit empowered Daniel to do. And see, Daniel chose to forgive first. See, we have to forgive people even before they repent to us. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar never repented to Daniel. He never apologized for taking him from his home, for making him a eunuch, for enslaving him. He never apologized for that one day. He never apologized. But Daniel had already forgiven him, and that is why Daniel could say the things that he could to Nebuchadnezzar. He is going to correct Nebuchadnezzar because... He has already forgiven him. And he is not celebrating the fact that the interpretation that is about to happen to Nebuchadnezzar is ultimately going to bring him down. He's not celebrating. And we can no longer, we cannot allow ourselves to enter into a place of bitterness where we actually celebrate someone's harm or someone's hurt. We are supposed to look at those people in compassion and love even when they are living totally opposite to the way that we, that we would desire them to. We are supposed to love our enemies, and that is what he demonstrates. He doesn't play the victim. He brings a hard word with a tender heart because he's already forgiven Nebuchadnezzar. And here's what he says in verse 20 through 27. He says, Nebuchadnezzar, the tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached to the heavens and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant, in which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and in whose branches the birds of the heaven had their home. Verse 22. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong, for your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens and your dominion to the end of the earth. And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon the, my Lord the king. They shall drive you from men, your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever He chooses. And inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. He's saying, look, your greatness has grown. Your kingdom, it's spread. You've won every war and you've given decrees, but now God is giving you a decree because He has a greater power. And listen, anybody who's ever picked a fight with God like Nebuchadnezzar have, nobody's ever walked away with a belt. Nobody has ever defeated God. Nobody's ever stood up against God. And he's saying, Nebuchadnezzar, God has been trying to teach you something and He is trying to teach you that you don't rule, heaven rules. Heaven rules. And he's trying to teach him this lesson. And the lesson is, will you submit to the Most High God or will you stand in defiance as if you were the Most High God? 
And so many people right now, from the very beginning, Satan has given people the lie that you can be as gods. You can run your own life. You can decide what's right or wrong. And when it comes to Scripture, you can pick and choose what things you want to do in your life. But ultimately, that makes you the God of your own life. And he's saying you cannot defy that. You cannot live in that kind of a life. And see, here's the third thing that the Holy Spirit helps us to do, is that the Holy Spirit helps us speak and receive hard truths that initiate repentance. Now that's one that, it, that, that is needed right now, I believe, in our day more than ever. The Holy Spirit helps us to speak and to receive hard truths that initiate repentance. Daniel says to him in verse 27, he says, "...to break off your sins." He says, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor and perhaps there will be a lengthening of your prosperity. Because even Daniel knows that when people are willing to finally humble themselves and repent, God will oftentimes graciously lengthen their prosperity and bless them because of it. That's how God works. That's how He operates. But when people are so proud that they are unwilling to humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and repent, God, their hearts will actually harden against God and God will hand them over to the consequences of their actions. See, to repent is to change your mind and to admit, I'm wrong. This is not right. I see what's going on and I want a heart change. I want to change my life. In other words, you are a sinner in need of a Savior and time is short and you need to make a decision now. Right now in our world, it's very, especially in America, the gospel has just been preached that ultimately God loves you and whatever you are, whatever you're doing, whoever you are, it doesn't matter. You can stay exactly the same way that you are and just believe and Jesus will give you salvation. Well, see, that's not, that's not the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel is that Jesus Christ came and He had to die a horrific death on the cross because of your sin. And because He died because of your sin, He calls you to repentance from that sin. But the good news is, is that if you will repent, He will forgive you of all that sin, apply the blood to your life, and not only that, He will empower you. He will never ask you to do something that He doesn't empower you to do. So that means that if you are embracing sin and holding on to it, He's saying, no, if you will turn, I will give you the power so that that sin is destroyed in your life. But you've got to humble yourself and you've got to turn. And see, sometimes, just like Daniel, we have to say those hard things to people that don't like it because it's God's decree to them. Do you think Nebuchadnezzar liked hearing the decree that, look, your kingdom is about to be stripped from you and you're going to have to learn that heaven rules and you don't and you're about to become like a beast and you're about to eat in the field like an animal for seven years? That's a, that's a wild thing to even think about. No, he didn't like it. He did not like the Word, but sometimes, just like Daniel, the Holy Spirit will uh, give you the ability to speak hard truths to people so that they might come to repentance. And you know, sometimes we, we, we live with this mentality of a, of a fake Jesus, especially, uh, like I said, in America. I remember back in the day when I was a kid, there was this bracelet, what would Jesus do? And, and like I said, right now it seems like everybody seems to know that they believe and understand what Jesus would do, but really all they're doing is taking their personal opinion or their cultural philosophy and saying, well, that's what Jesus would do because that's what I would like Him to do. But, but ultimately, we, we miss what Jesus would do a, a lot of the times. But here's the other thing. is The thing about Jesus is, is if you are only trying to do what Jesus would do, then you're never going to do what Jesus actually came and died for you to do. He died for your sin and Jesus never had to confess sin because He was sinless. Jesus had to never repent of sin because He never had any sin in Him. Jesus was pure and holy, but yet He went and He took 
on the cross all of the punishment that you deserve for your sin. And you need to understand the gravity and the weight of sin the same way that I do in my life. All of us have to understand that ultimately the gospel is about the fact that we are broken and we are lost and we have chose selfishness, we have chose sexual immorality, we have chosen to, to, to live a life that is away from God and to do things that God does not agree with. And he's saying you have to choose to repent of that sin and admit our failures and admit our wrongs. See, people who will never admit their failures and admit that they're wrong, that's pride. And pride was in Nebuchadnezzar's heart. But see, what God does is He warns and He waits. God warned Nebuchadnezzar, but He waited patiently for Nebuchadnezzar to repent. He waited 30 years on Nebuchadnezzar. You ever waited that long on somebody? God is a patient God. This is why in 2 Peter 3, chapter 3, verse 9, it says that God is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but what? But that all should come to repentance. God is waiting, man. He, all of these things that are going on in our world, well, you say, well, why hasn't God come back yet? The Scripture actually says He's not come back yet. He's not brought judgment yet because He's long-suffering. He's patient, not willing that anybody should perish. He doesn't want anybody to perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's waiting. He's giving them time. And He actually gives Nebuchadnezzar this dream, and He says, all right, buddy, I've been dealing with you year after year after year, and now I've had enough. I'm still going to give you one year, though. I'm going to give you 12 more months, and I'm going to see whether or not you're going to do it. Now what Daniel does is he comes in, but the thing about Daniel is he connects with Nebuchadnezzar before he corrects. It is much easier for people to hear from you and to hear your correction if they actually know that you love them, if they actually know that you care for them. See, Daniel has year after year been faithful in serving Nebuchadnezzar, even though he may have not, he didn't live the way that he wanted him to live, but he was faithful in serving him and in loving him. And so when the time comes, Daniel is able to give him a word of correction to say, listen, man, you need to cast off your iniquity. You need to turn from unrighteousness. And maybe, Nebuchadnezzar, God will lengthen your days. But if not, this interpretation, this decree is sure, and he is going to humble you from your, from your place of pride. But see, he has sown in love so many years that now he can make a withdrawal by bringing correction. But in order to correct people, you have to have a connection with them. They have to know that you love them, that you care about them first. And that is what Daniel demonstrates in Babylon. All the people in Babylon knew that Daniel loved them, knew that he cared for them. And they, that's why they loved him back. And they understood that ultimately if he's bringing a word of correction, it's because he cares about us. In Daniel chapter 4, verse 28 through 33, it says, All of this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the 12 months, he was walking about in the royal palace. So, so this dream comes, Daniel tells it to him, and now he's walking in the royal palace, still unrepentant, and says, it says in verse 30, the king spoke saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? See, he's got this high self-esteem. That's the kind of thing that we honor in today's society. We, we actually teach kids to boast. And, and, and whenever they play in sports, you ought to boast, you ought to pound your chest and act like you're a bad outfit. That's pride. That is not humility, but yet we teach it as a very good thing in our society. And what you see him saying is, I, 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 I have built, and it's by my power and for my majesty. It's a self-focused pride, and he's basically saying, I have built heaven on earth. And even though that, that attitude is celebrated in our culture, the Scripture says that pride comes before the fall. And when a man begins to lift himself up and, and fails to acknowledge God 
as the one who gifts us with all good things. Something happens in this person's heart. And finally, there's a voice from heaven in verse 31. It says, while the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling place shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. That very hour, the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven until his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird claws. In other words, Nebuchadnezzar continued to harden his heart. Now this wasn't, this wasn't God's fault. A lot of times we want to blame things on God. We want to say, well, how come bad things happen to good people? Well, see, the Bible teaches that there are no good people. There was only one good person on the earth, and his name was Jesus Christ, and guess what? Bad things happened to him. So this is not God's fault that Nebuchadnezzar continued to harden his heart. God was patiently speaking to him. He was dealing with him. And right now, man, God is dealing with people through the situations and the circumstances in the world to say, can't you see that this world is crumbling and it is not going to last and you need to turn your heart to me now and, 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 and speak with me now. And for Christian people, if you do know the Lord, you need to lovingly ask the Lord, Lord, how can I speak like Daniel did into Nebuchadnezzar's life so that maybe, just maybe, your spirit will draw them and they will actually repent. But so many people just like Nebuchadnezzar are continuing to harden their heart against God. And because of that, the Scripture says that God hands them over. Matter of fact, the Scripture says that because people continue to fail to acknowledge God in Romans 1, they continue to reject Him, and he, they continue to hold the truth in unrighteousness. They say, you know what, I'd rather have my sin than have God. God hands them over to that sin. And that sin increases in their life. And before long, he hands them over to a debased mind. And literally, they begin to think crazy things. And I'm telling you what, folks, people are thinking crazy things in our world today. You don't have to look very far to find people thinking that good things are actually some of the most evil things that we've ever seen. This is a debased mind, and this is the place where, Dan, where Nebuchadnezzar is at. Because he failed to repent, because he failed to see his error, he's literally beginning to lose his mind, and he becomes like a wild beast of the field. He's out in the yard eating grass with his claws grown out and in this position where he's being humbled. But see, a lot of times when people are going into this mental turmoil the same way that Nebuchadnezzar is, see, pride opens the door for the demonic. And when somebody... Well, you know, there's, people are dealing with anxiety, people are dealing with mental issues, people are dealing with all sorts of things right now. And a lot of it is physical, a lot of it sometimes is, is chemical imbalance, some of it is, is mental, there, you, have to, you have to work through things in your mind. But at the root of all of these things, ultimately we are a three-part person. We're, we are body, we are soul, we are spirit. And at the root of all of these things, there is a spiritual issue and pride is an open door for the demonic. When you reject God, you open the door for other influences in your life. And I'm telling you, I've seen people get set free from the power of demonic oppression. And when they're willing to humble themselves and repent and confess their sins and renounce them and turn to God, I've seen people get set free and their mindset change in a moment of time. And things that they were thought, voices that they were hearing are gone because they're finally willing to repent and turn from what they have been believing, what they've been living, and saying, Jesus, I want to live for you. I need forgiveness, and I need freedom. And we need to pray that God, the Holy Spirit, would come and set people free in this hour. Number four, the Holy Spirit opposes the proud, and He gives grace to the humble. First Peter 5, it says, verse 5 through 6, 
It says, be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. Satan was the first person to rule over a godless kingdom. I should say he's the first entity to rule over a godless kingdom. And ultimately his sin was pride. The scripture says that he saw him, he was beautiful in, in all of his ways, but yet pride was found in his heart and he lifted himself up and he essentially said, I will be like the Most High. I will be worshipped. I will ascend. I will do all of these things. And because he said that, pride entered into his heart and immediately he fell and he took a fall because of that. C.S. Lewis said this, he said, A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. See, you don't become humble by focusing on humility, but you become humble by looking at, at the Most High God. And as long as I'm looking at God, Daniel was looking at God, therefore he wasn't looking down on Nebuchadnezzar or anybody else, but he was looking at God and he knew and he realized, you know what, ultimately I'm not your judge, Nebuchadnezzar. God is my judge and God is your judge. And I can stay in a place of humility. Look, Daniel did not even try to take over the kingdom whenever Nebuchadnezzar went nuts for seven years. Daniel said, I know my place. I'm humble. And now if it had been me, I probably would have said, boys, it looks like it's time for me to take over the kingdom. Kingdom, give me the harem, give me the power, and while you at it, imprison that dude I don't like over there. Like that's that's the mentality that we would be living in. But he says, No, I know my position. Daniel operated from a place of humility, and because of that, grace was poured out into his life, favor was poured out into his life. But Nebuchadnezzar was resisted because of his pride. Pride, prideful unrepentance is a doorway to the demonic, and it leads us down a wrong path. But here's what it says at the very end. Daniel chapter 4, verse 34 through 37. And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me. Notice that. He lifts his eyes to heaven, and as soon as he lifted his eyes to heaven, his understanding returned to him. Right now, Folks, you are confused, you're broken, you're full of anxiety, and if you would just lift your eyes to heaven, if you would lift your eyes to God, I believe that your understanding would begin to return to you and the confusion would begin to dissipate. He says, I bless the God Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever, for His dominion is an everlasting dominion and His kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain His hand or say to Him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven all of whose works are truth and His ways justice. And those who walk in pride, He is able to put down. He, he lifts His eyes to heaven. He blesses and He praises the Most High God. He is finally brought to a place of humility and He declares that. He says, you know what? The God who lives in heaven, He is able to humble the proud. And as soon as He honors God, understanding and reason returns to Him. People that are losing their minds right now, living in ungodly ways, as soon as they turn and they lift their eyes to heaven, their understanding will come to them. God will give them revelation. He will fill them with His Spirit and He will change them. Daniel faithfully served this godless man for seven years while he was out in the yard eating grass with his, with his claws growing out and not once... Did he Listen, if Daniel can serve that man for seven years and another 30 or 40 years before that, if he can do that, surely we can serve a king who is far better than that. Surely we can serve King Jesus. 
See, a lot of people, I read, I read a lot of scholars, and a lot of scholars will say, well, you know, he, he was lying. Nebuchadnezzar was lying. He didn't really turn to God. But if you struggle to believe that God actually saved Nebuchadnezzar, then you probably don't fully understand the grace that God extends to us and gives us the ability to repent because God calls people no matter how broken, no matter how full of pride, no matter how messed up they are, God's grace is strong enough to reach out to them and to save them and to bring them to repentance and absolutely transform their life. And my prayer right now in these last days is that God would sweep in a mighty move, a mighty awakening and a revival in some of the worst case situations. Some of the people that have lost their mind to the nth degree would all of a sudden look to heaven and all of a sudden their understanding would come and they would see Jesus and they would turn from their sins and their lives would be transformed and their families would be changed and we would see God move in the earth one more time to bring about His kingdom in a mighty way. That's what we're praying for. That's what we want to see. The question is though, not about other people. Or We don't need to figure out what, whether or not other people are saved. We need to know whether or not we're saved, whether or not we know this true Jesus. And the last thing the Holy Spirit is going to do and He needs to do it to us all right now, is to point us to King Jesus. I know we were going to vote for president this year, but they ain't King Jesus. And nobody in the future is going to be King Jesus. And if we are going to function as people that are citizens of a heavenly kingdom, then we have to keep our eyes fight. We need to pray and vote for our leaders here in, in this nation and pray that, 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 that godly principles and values are supported and that God would move in our nation and He would protect us from evil. We need to pray that. But in order to do that effectively, we've got to fix our eyes on King Jesus and the Holy Spirit will point us to King Jesus and say ultimately He is the King above all kings. And that's the King that we are living for in this Babylonian society. See, our king, other kings are proud, but our King Jesus is humble. Other kings have conquered other nations and have made other nations slaves, but our king conquered Satan and he sets people free from the oppression and the powers of darkness. Other kings need our help, but guess what? Jesus, our king, comes down and he stoops down in order to help us. Other kings are trying to change the future. Presidents are trying to change the future, but our God is the God who knows the future and is able to give us wisdom about it. Other kings are empowered by demonic spirits. But our king is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Other kings rise up to look down on us, but Jesus came and He stooped down in order to lift us up. Other kings rule from fear, but our King Jesus rules from love. Other kings do not re repent or forgive, but our King Jesus forgives those who repent. Other kings make their kingdoms with human hands, but King Jesus has a kingdom not built by human hands. Other kings are worshipped by people who have to worship them, but our King Jesus is worshipped by people who want to worship Him. And see, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, the only place that sinners could look was up. And right now, I'm telling you, in the world that we live in that is going half crazy, the place that we must look is to quit looking for a moment at the things of this earth and to set our minds on heavenly things, to see Jesus who hung on that cross for us, who said, I died for you, my blood was shed for your sins, and I'm asking you to turn. I'm asking you to let the Holy Spirit 
reveal these things to you that you need to turn from and I'm asking you to receive the gift of my salvation to confess your sins, to turn from them. Let me wash you in my blood. Receive that sacrifice and set your mind on heavenly things and allow me to fill you with my Holy Spirit so that you can live righteously and godly in this present evil world. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. He wants us to look up to Him in this hour. So I just want to pray for you right now where you're at. And Father, you know each person's situation. And I pray this morning that if anybody is listening that does not know you, Jesus, that you would allow them to humble themselves, Lord, and to see you, Lord, who hung on that cross for them to be saved. You died for their sins. Now, Holy Spirit, convict them of their sins and bring them to a place of repentance, Lord God, and allow, allow them, God, to just move into a place where you can transform their hearts and give them new life, God, in the name of Jesus. And I pray for each listener right now that you would fill them afresh with the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would allow them to speak boldly, that you would allow them and enable them to God to love their enemies, that their eyes would be opened to you, King Jesus, and that you would help us, Lord, to stay fixed on you in this hour. Lord, we worship you. We give you all the glory and all the praise because ultimately, God, we believe that you are King of kings and you are Lord of lords and you know the future and everything is in your control and we will trust you no matter what comes, Lord. We trust you with our lives and we give our lives to you afresh right now, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you all. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We are praying for you and we just ask that you be in prayer for others as well.